Hey, welcome back. This is the Sharp End Podcast. I'm Ashley, your hostess and creator of the show. This podcast is brought to you by the American Alpine Club and sponsored by Mammut. For over 150 years, Mammut has been making products so you can confidently go. This month, Mammut is giving away an ultimate V jacket. Mammut has spent almost 20 years refining and innovating this piece. It's perfect for layering, skinning, hiking, or just to wear around town. This jacket offers everything you need for changeable mountain weather. So stay tuned until the end of this episode to learn how you can win this jacket. Great news, my friends. Desert Mountain Medicine just signed on to be an annual sponsor for the rest of 2020. How cool is that? And finally, thank you to Boulder Denim for supporting this episode. So I'm sure many of you have heard of Boulder Denim. Well, the folks up there in Canada just sent me a sample pair of their newest 3.0 denim that just recently launched on Kickstarter. And I'm actually wearing them right now. And let me tell you, these things are super stretchy. The first thing I noticed, besides the crazy stretch, is how deep the pockets are. I've never experienced pockets so deep on women's pants before. They apparently infuse their sustainable organic cotton with Cordura to make them extra durable. They also added Coolmax EcoMade to their fabric blend, which makes them breathable and quick drying. So if you want to grab yourself a pair, they're available on Kickstarter right now. And if you act fast, you might be able to snag their super early bird pricing. Go to boulderdenim.com backslash sharp to back their project. Meg and her fiancé, John, headed to Animal World in Boulder Canyon to have a nice, mellow day of sport and trad climbing. It was a hotter day. They warmed up on a sport route, then top roped a gear route before Meg decided to lead it. So Meg racks up, climbs, placed one piece about six to eight feet off the ground, and, well, you'll just have to listen to Meg and John tell their story. Enjoy. I'm Meg Atterbury, and I live in Colorado, um, in Denver most of the time, and uh, I'm a freelance writer and content creator and digital marketing specialist. I wear many hats. My name is John Lubers. Um, I've lived in Colorado my whole life and in Denver right now, and um, I have worked in construction, and now I'm in more of a design application using AutoCAD. Um, but still construction related. So cool. And you both are you're engaged? Yes, we are. <laughs> we actually got engaged while climbing at Lumpy Ridge, which is a small adventure into itself. <laughs> another story for another time, I guess. But yeah. John, did you get on one knee? Uh yeah. Once she got up to the belay. Uh, ledge and was <laughs> was secured and then spent two three minutes telling me about the uh, struggles of the climb that she just worked through uh, <laughs> when she was you know kind of comfortable I did get on one knee there was enough room on the ledge <laughs> <laughs> that is great well congratulations thank, thank you, you. Um, both of us have been track climbing I've been track climbing for a couple years John's been track climbing for about 18 months um, and we were pretty avid climbers. We're into like really long, moderate multi-pitch. So like the day was pretty mellow and just supposed to be fun and relaxing. And it was for the most part until the end. So I was climbing in um, 
a sport route. There's kind of two sport routes that were next to this one uh, trad line. And I climbed the sport route and I liked it. It was pretty fun. Um, it was like a little bit hairy at the start and I was eyeballing the trad route and I was like, oh, I think I could do it. But I decided to top rope it first just to make sure that I had the moves down because it had this really weird off width section. And um, I got down. It was the middle of the day, so it was pretty hot. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I racked up and we were kind of standing. It was not like a chimney, but there's kind of two. It, was a, it wasn't chimney climbing, but it was a chimney area. It was kind of like a nook. And we looked around at the ground and it was really rocky, but we decided not to set a piece on the ground for John because I was like, well, if I fall, I don't think I'm going to go very far. Um, so What's the weight differential between you two? Oh, I think uh, we're probably around 40 pounds. I, I think I've, I've got 40 pounds on Meg. So okay. it's, it's enough to be considered. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Pretty pretty substantial so I mean I'm, I'm used to catching him and he's used to catching me and and we have our dynamic and we've been climbing together for five six years so we I racked up um and I got into the climb and I placed uh a purple cam like textbook placement right there and um I put my hand in the jam to make the next move and it was really slick with chalk and it was a little bit tougher than I thought it was gonna be and I ended up falling probably about I don't know maybe a foot two feet above my gear um and the piece held perfectly the the alpine draw wasn't extended because it was a pretty like straight line and um I was really stoked because it was actually the first time I had fallen on my gear and I was super proud of myself I was like look at you did it like that's amazing you know and I felt like this surge of like yeah like yeah confidence (laughs) (laughs) so and I knew I could stick the move it was just you know my hand had slipped out and I was like, I just need to move quicker. So I did it again. And the same thing happened. I fell again on the gear. Everything was fine. Um, and I have this really silly rule for myself that I no longer have. That is give it three tries before bailing. And so I did it one more time and I made it a little bit further this time. So I was probably maybe six or eight inches further above the piece uh, but like I just a hand slipped out again and I fell and I vividly remember looking at the gear and watching the Dyneema on the Alpine draw extend and I thought that really shouldn't be happening <laughs> I'm gonna hit the ground um, I was probably 8 to 12 feet off the ground and I hit the ground very suddenly and I was like, okay, you're going to stop. But I didn't. I ended up tumbling probably another 25 feet over this super rocky trail. Um, and I was kind of, I was going ass over tea kettle. So I couldn't see what was coming. Uh, I, it was terrifying to be honest with you. Um, very vivid memories. I can feel like every single bump and bruise I got. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw John shoot past me. And I realized in an instant that I was now pulling him and um, I'll let him explain his side after I wrap up. But yeah, pretty much like, right. I just grabbed a rock and I held on for dear life because he has so much more weight on me. I was like, well, we're going to get pulled over this bushy cliff that eventually just dumps into the road and it'll be really hard to stop. And we stopped just a, probably a foot or two before that cliff. Um, fortunately it's a really busy area. So there are a lot of people who came rushing nearby to help out and everything. But uh I'll let John 
chime in with his part here. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just kind of go back, I guess, from my perspective. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Meg had fallen twice, and, you know, we were, I, it was because it was the first piece off the ground, and it was only eight feet up. When she fell, she was sitting right next to me. Um, so, you know, we'd high five and, and everything was fine. Um, and I was, when she, you know, when I saw her start to fall the third time, I was leaning back to catch her since there wasn't a lot of room from the deck. Um, and I just remember hearing like a pop or I, I don't know if it was hearing or feeling, but it just kind of seemed like there was a break, like a pop. And, you know, normally I had the rope kind of, you can feel the resistance as you're pulling back against to give somebody a catch. And that was just gone. Um, and I saw Meg hit the deck and right about the time she landed, I was already, you know, leaning back to catch her. So I was going to fall backwards and I wound up jumping backwards to prevent falling. Um, and really, you know, what Meg was saying is like a rocky section. It's, it's kind of a series of ledges. So I wound up jumping backwards and landing um, on my heels on the ledge below me, which was maybe four feet. Um, but, you know, it's hot, it's summer, and I'm belaying in flip-flops. So I'm pretty sure I jumped out of one of the flip-flops and landed barefoot Ooh. on that ledge. Um, and then I think I had mostly caught myself. And then all I heard was like a terrifying scream of Meg just tumbling and she was screaming while she was tumbling. And that's about the point where since there was only maybe, you know, 10 feet of rope between the two of us, um, I got yanked backwards. And uh, so I went off that ledge down to the next, but that one I couldn't jump or keep my balance. I just got pulled. So I just kind of wound up tumbling and I, I don't really remember a lot of the impacts or anything. I think the adrenaline just kind of made it numb. I don't, I didn't feel any pain while tumbling. Um, but I just remember hearing Meg's scream just echoing in my head. And, uh, luckily we both came to rest down along the climbers trail that was at the base of these ledges. Um, and like Meg said, across the climbers trail, it was just kind of a steeper grass hill that I believe winds up going down to some cliffs. And so had we not stopped, it probably don't know that we'd be giving an interview about it. Um, that's scary to think about. I, I, I guess I, I don't understand how the carib, how so, Meg fell. She fell because she slipped out of the crack, but what exactly happened with the The first thing piece? that we saw when we were on the ground is we looked at each other like, what the hell just happened? And we looked up at the wall and the piece that she had placed, the cam was still right where she placed it. The alpine draw was extended, but the carabiner on the end of the alpine draw that the rope was clipped through was gone. And the, it was that carabiner was still on the rope sitting at Meg's waist. Right, yeah. right near her figure eight was the so carabiner. We have a wall at home um, that had the like bouldering you know, some, wall bolts on it and we use it for training and playing around and stuff and we tried to kind of recreate the scenario at first I thought that maybe I had accidentally grabbed the carabiner but there's like a little notch in the gate um and if I had done that and I had been had a downward force on it the Dyneema would have caught in that notch and I would have like for sure dislocated my shoulder 
So the best we can figure is it's if they spin, you know, when you're going up and it had spun around to where the gate was facing up and the knot fell on it. And it was essentially like if you Z clip and fall badly, right? So it just undid itself and I came undone. I, I re- we really like don't understand how it could have happened. No, I, I played <laughs> with it a lot. Just, at, you know, anytime I was like uh, up in the room. And yeah, the best that somehow um, the the carabiner must have spun around or rotated, as you know, alpine draws do. Um, but I think Meg had fallen, and with me pulling in the slack, she must have. I don't know if like her figure eight knot was pointing down, and it the rope was sliding through the carabiner, and when it when her waist got equal with where the carabiner was, the knot going through it opened that gate and rotated it off the draw but it, it the, the carabiner came off the draw and it stayed on the rope and and as soon as we hit the ground that was one of the first things we saw is like how did this wind up with us and not on the on the yeah draw on yeah the, on the wall and I think that part of the terror I mean about a month prior to that I had a, I had an incident where I had to self-arrest in the mountains and it was not fun either and I think you know, I was just at the point where I was really pushing my grades and trying new things and trusting my gear and my ability to place. And something like this happens, right? Where nobody tells you that this is a thing (laughs) because it's very rare when you're learning how to track climb and, and it happens to you at like a really pivotal moment in your track climbing, I guess, development, development. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and it, it threw both of us through like a serious loop of like yeah. trauma and and trying second to, guessing yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. Like we, I mean, I turned around. I I was on my stomach when I finally stopped, and I was like, you know, wiggle my toes and like move my neck, and I was fully prepared to see like a compound fracture. Like I really, to this day, do you think the only reason why I didn't break anything or get seriously hurt aside from some pretty bad whiplash and a bunch of cuts and totally ripped up pants it's because I was going backwards so I couldn't brace for what was coming so my body was really loose um and like it yeah I mean had we not both been wearing helmets I mean John was wearing a helmet too Mm -hmm. because we kind of had this thing where like helmets go on at the crag and come off at the car and um I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a huge problem. I think yeah. we would have needed a helicopter for sure. Oh, yeah. When and, I, when I could... and if you weren't wearing pants, too. I mean, imagine what your legs would look like if you weren't wearing pants. Oh, yeah. It would have been terrible. <laughs> uh, my leg was... That was the only injury that I sustained was a really deep gash that was probably about eight inches long on my shin. And that was through my uh, the pants that I was wearing. Yes. And that's from getting like pulled, yanked forward on a boulder or something? I think that one I got uh, when Meg fell past me and pulled me over backwards and I went flying over the second ledge. I must have just smashed my shin on a rock while tumbling down to the climbing trail. Um, well, I guess I had that and then I an X, I went and got an x-ray two months after this because my heels were still killing me. I thought I'd fractured them. Um, they didn't, the x-ray didn't show a fracture, but I, I really banged up both my heels. So walking for a good month and a half, two months was, uh, could be painful at times. But besides those two things, that was all I had. Meg took, she had 
road rash patches everywhere. Yeah, I had like 11 hand-sized bruises and road rashes all over my body. I couldn't sleep properly for a long time. Uh, my ankle was a little jacked up. Like, I think I, I think I just got like a really bad sprain. Um, but yeah, I had the, I was, you know, after the accident, I was really pissed off. Uh, all I wanted to do was get back on the route because I knew I could do it. <laughs> Um, and so I had this really genius idea of climbing Rewritten five days later. And for those that don't know, Rewritten is a super awesome six-pitch, five-seven climb in El Dorado Canyon, Colorado. Which I think, although it was a very positive experience mentally, it was also a very negative experience mentally. I was like, not, definitely not ready to be doing that. Um, I did it with a friend, and it really it rattled me quite a bit. And I, what rattled you about it? the eldo choss um (laughs) (laughs) on the first couple pitches is just was that the first climb that you had done after the accident yeah 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 and i i was just like you know i gotta get back out there i already had had plans to do it so i pushed the plans back a couple days and i led some of the i led half the route and um i just kept asking myself like why am i doing this what am i doing here Uh, you know why are you playing with fire again type of thing um and that was snowballed into so many things. Every time I go out, I mean, we go scrambling in the mountains and I'd freak out. We, I belayed him in the gym and was having panic attacks, just belaying him like on like an easy warm up. Like five, seven. Yeah. I don't, it was really odd. Like I was just overcome by all kinds of crazy fears, but I also like, Climbing is a huge part of my identity and has helped me work through so much in my personal life that I couldn't give it up or walk away. Like I had to keep getting out there and trying and doing. Um, but it changed our relationship for sure. It changed your yours and John's relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always changing, you know. I mean, relationships always change, but our our relationship with climbing changed. When I got home, I felt insanely close to him. Like. We had just been through this thing that nobody, you know, could understand except for the two of us. And I was like this, you know, like he, he didn't do anything obviously wrong. Um, and I still trusted him as a belayer. But every time we would go out together and do something that re- like even remotely tried to push our limits, we would kind of freak out a little bit together, either internally or externally. Yeah, about, a, I think, a month after this incident took place, thanks to Meg's schedule, she has the flexibility to like go climb during the week. Um, and I, I don't have that flexibility. So she, you know, has other climbing partners and friends she goes out with. And I wasn't really able to get out and climb um, until about a month later. We were in like late July. We had gone out to Lake Tahoe um, to visit Meg's family. And we'd, um, we were going down like to South Lake to Lover's Leap. And we had, you know, for about a year before that, we'd put our eyes on Corrugation Corner, um, and we'd been really excited for it and looking forward to it, and, you know, that was kind of the highlight of the trip out there was the day we were going to go do that climb, and I'd never really been worried about it. Like, I knew there was a lot of exposure on Corrugation Corner, but I was I was excited for it because it was still a climb that was in our ability, um, and it after the accident in the couple weeks before we went out to Tahoe, I was just getting like, I don't know, it wasn't full panic attacks, but I was getting a lot of anxiety 
every time I would look at, you know, mountain project and I'd look through the photos of the route, I would start just getting really anxious and, and nervous. And, you know, I was like trying to find other routes that we could do instead. Cause I was just freaking out, um, about it. And, um, what wound up happening is we went out there and we did go down to Lover's Leap, but instead of doing Corrugation Corner, we uh, took it down a notch. Um, I don't know. We, we wound up taking on an easier, like, three-pitch, five-six um, that was uh, – I mean, Still fun, I'm sure. Yeah, just to yeah, do fun stuff. It was, we keep yeah. it fun. Yeah. yeah, it was enjoyable. Um, it was, you know, like, more slabby, wasn't super exposed, wasn't vertical, really. Um, everything was kind of hollow, uh, but that was really the first climb that I had done since our accident. And I knew that Meg had been out with friends and she had told me about how she felt nervous. And, and I think there was just general tension between the two of us the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I, I led the first pitch and I ran out past the, you know, the actual, a lot of people had suggested to go 40 foot past the first belay to a better stance. So I'd run out almost the full rope and got to you know where I was going to build a belay and didn't have a lot of gear and I had to sit there for a few minutes and just kind of calm myself down you know it's like relax you're not in a race just take your time but I you know I built an anchor and it by all means was was a, a bomber anchor um, in two different good sized cracks but as I started belaying Meg up all I could picture was like what if something fails what if something slips you know, and I just kept having flashes of, I know the gear is doing its job, but I've seen a failure when there wasn't supposed to be a failure. You know, when we were doing things right, something bad happened. So I'm looking at everything and it looks right, but that doesn't mean that something bad isn't going to happen. And it was really hard for me to shake that thought, you know, so I wound up every time I was belaying Meg, you know, she led the second pitch up and there was a, there was a little bit of a traverse that she had to do. And I just remember standing there watching her do this traverse. And I was just freaking out. Like, please don't fall. Like, just don't fall, make the move, get up on the next ledge, like build the belay. But it was really tense. And I'd never really experienced that before. Cause I'd always, you know, trusted the gear and I never had anything go wrong. And it was just that foundation that I, I guess I never thought twice about. Uh, was you know like there were obvious cracks in it and it was really hard to just do the basic any basic climbing um, just because in the back your of my confidence head, was shaken oh yeah in the back of your head it's like we're doing everything right but we could still die but who knows yeah <laughs> and I think what's really interesting is that like I've never really considered myself much of a climber um, I'm terrified of heights. I can't tell you how many times I've cried on the <laughs> I kind of drug and, her into it. And yet you like long alpine routes. Yeah. <laughs> really odd. Um, and he's always been in the supportive role for me from the stamp mentally of being like, you can do this. Like you're very strong. You're capable. Like you've got it. You can do it. It's going to be fine. The exposure is going to be fine. You know, and, and in a way that flipped, um, like I, because I have more free time, I've become the stronger climber, but not mm -hmm. just only that more of like, I'm now supporting him. Like we were on the Petit Grappon in Rocky Mountain National Park. For Such a good climb. So oh, it's amazing. Oh <laughs> I was just 
pretty much just drooled all over the rock. For... <laughs> <laughs> I think I did the same thing when I climbed it. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, and I, I was doing it for work. So um, I was shooting photography for a guiding company and we were out having a good time. But, you know, I'm used to being the one who's freaking out over the exposure. It never bothers him. And there's like that tiny belay ledge, you know, towards the top, the little pizza pan. And mm. it's just so exposed and putting two people on that is a challenge and um where you know he's kind of freaking out of it and I'm just you know telling him like it, it was odd for me to be in this position of like oh you know like what do I do here like how do I support him you know it, it's always kind of been him supporting my mental blockades and and panics and and I had to just be like you know we're almost to the top it's gonna be great like everything's just just look up look at the rock you know we're all gonna be all right like and I think Rapon was it- we had done the climb in South Tahoe and I think Rapon was the second outdoor climb I was able to do (laughs) after the accident. So it was really big jumps for me, especially being at right. Like the only two we do after the accident are bigger climbs The Rapon being, you know, I've never climbed anything that big before. Um, So it was a new level of exposure, but it was, it was definitely, I think after the seventh pitch, is where my nerves were just kind of frayed and I, I didn't see it coming, but I just kind of had to sit on the ledge for a while and, and just calm down. And it was like, you know, the only way down is to go up. Like you, you got to top out and then you can wrap off and you'll be okay. But Well, how did, what, what were some of the things that you were going through and telling yourself sitting on that ledge to, to move past that, that paralyzing fear? Um, at first I didn't tell myself anything. Um, I really tried to just focus on breathing. Um, So I started taking more of like a meditative approach. Like your mind's racing. It's getting out of control. Just try, you know, just like breathe. Like you're getting into a meditation. You're trying to calm your mind down. Just focus on inhale, focus on exhale. Um, And I, I mean, half the time, that's what I did. I kind of looked at Meg, I was like, you know, and said, thanks for trying to help, but like, just be quiet. I I need you trying to help me is keeping my mind focused on the thing that it's freaking out about. Um, So I, you know, it was on a belay, so I didn't need to be paying attention to anything for a minute. So it was just, just focused on breathing. And then, you know, I just kind of tried to talk logically to myself was like, you know, it's you know you're fine you you know the gear is doing the job it's supposed to do this is a climb you can handle um you know the accident was a freak accident um the odds of it occurring immediately after it occurred once you know having it pop up a second time were probably small um so you were trying to like you're trying to basically have this logical person in your brain yeah tru- sort of trump the emotional yeah it was tried to just breathe to get the emotional side to calm down and then mm-hmm. kind of reaffirm the reasons that i you know should feel comfortable with some form of logic because i usually try to use logic to uh sort things out that are like giving me anxiety or stress did it work yeah, I, I think with about 10 minutes, I was able to like calm down and just be like, okay, like I can climb this. It's it, the, the crux of the climb was already long past. It was cruiser from there. Um, and, and I think after the next pitch, by the time I had gotten up 
to the top of the eighth pitch, I was much more of like, oh, okay, like this is actually really enjoyable. The climbing is super fun. It's got a great <laughs> view and the heights didn't bother me anymore. Um, and it was back to kind of my normal uh, mind frame when I'm out climbing. Uh, well, good for you for pushing through that. <laughs> That's I, great. I guess you know when you're there, you don't have much of a choice. <laughs> it's, we don't have the we don't have the gear to bail from here. It's so far up, so it's like you have to just get to the top. So, I think too. I think one of the interesting things we've also kind of noticed, and and a lot has happened since it's been about seven months since the accident, mm-hmm. is that like it was frustrating to be out with friends and together and see. the difference when somebody when we weren't on the rope rope team together so if we were just like single pitching out and shelf or something like I would feel so much more at ease if he wasn't on the you know sharp end or belaying me than like with my friends than than I was with him and we kind of discovered that maybe it was because we had gone through this thing together and there was just an associative memory with it you know like I trust him fully with my life like for sure. <laughs> I'm marrying him. So, but, you know, like we had to learn how to work through that together. And it wasn't always really easy. Like there's a lot of really tense moments and a lot of times where John would be really frustrated because he'd be like, look, I'm just like really jealous that you can go out with your friends and have a good time. But whenever we go out together, it's always there's a lot of tension and stress. Yeah, it was that was actually one of the first things that came up is that, you know, we we talked through the accident and the causes and we, you know, Meg kept climbing with uh, other friends and, you know, she was slowly getting around to, you know, getting back to enjoying climbing and she'd go out with friends and tell me about the routes they did or tell me about this awesome stuff and how she was like, you know, I was actually able to push myself a little bit, which felt really good. And then we would go out and we'd be on the first climb, you know, the, the first route of the day, just warming up and, I'd be blaying her and she'd be really nervous and struggling. And, and it was almost like a jealousy thing where, you know, I, I it was, I, I just hear, you know, I told her, I was like, you go out with your friends and you do all this cool stuff. And you tell me about like pushing yourself, but every time we climb together, you're barely capable of doing a five, seven. And, you know, there's this stress and you can't climb. And, you know, it was like, I feel like I've been cut out of the loop. Like, we can't climb together anymore, but you have this community that you go climb with all the time. And like, since I can't go out during the week, I'm stuck on, you know, just the weekend stuff. Like I feel, I I guess it kind of felt like I was getting left behind in a way. Um, You know, so I brought it up to her and we just kind of talked that through. Um, Wait, I think, (laughs) I think there's like good reason. I think it's different because I used to, I used to only trust him and only push myself with him, you know? And the accident really shifted that a little bit. Um, But, you know, I think a big part of it was I had to let go of the whole, like, I got to get back to where I was so I don't, because I felt like my friends were going to leave me behind. So I was pushing myself sometimes unnecessarily, and I needed to just take things back to having it be fun again, you know? Yeah. And going out and being like, I don't care if I lead or top rope. I don't really care what I do today. I don't care if I don't do anything. And I just sit on this sunny rock, you know? (laughs) And I think once I was able to do that, and then when I would have those moments with him where I'd be freaking out to just let it happen and let it pass instead of try to like muscle through it, if you know what I mean. 
Like I'm, I'm the kind of person who will immediately default in a stressful situation to pushing emotions out of the equation. But like, I, when you're trying to go through something traumatic and emotional, you need to let that get out in order to move past it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I think once I learned how to do that, where I would just be like, I was, I remember specifically I was freaking out in a chimney. I don't like chimneys. They make me feel claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> and the thought of falling in one terrifies me. So I was like, just stick your butt in the chimney. You're not going to go anywhere. You're fully, you know, you got the butt cam going on. Like, <laughs> let yourself freak out for a few minutes. And then I did. And we had like a great day. Um, and we, you know, we just got back from climbing in Thailand a couple weeks ago together too. And we were fine out there. It's not a linear process, but like the point is we want to work on it. And it's, and it's okay for parts of it to change, you know, I think you know, we've changed things about our climbing. So we now set a double wire gate as our first piece. Um, and I think that we've learned how to address each other differently um, as well when we're like having our moments. What, what other advice do you have for climbing partners who are in a romantic relationship? <laughs> so I think the, <laughs> my big focus, once everything kind of settled and we realizing that like climbing had changed for us, um my big focus was you know I didn't want to push myself I was very much a proponent of like we should take things back to like fun we should go back to easy routes where there's no giant fear factor like go back to just stuff where you don't have to worry as much and just remember like relearn the fact that this is fun um and stay in that zone for a while so we took you know we we would climb in the gym a lot more often than normal um, and, and a lot of the stuff we did, we just kept it in like a five fun range for a while, um, to where there was like the stress was kind of gone. And I think we, through that, uh, like four or five month period, we were able to kind of remember what climbing was before the accident and like reaffirmed those bonds and like the trust and build all of that back up. And then, you know, we started pushing each other on lead indoors and just kind of started slow. And then taking, you know, making sure every time we climbed together, we were both taking whips um, and catching falls to reestablish just like the trust in the gear. And then we go outdoors and a lot of our bigger objectives kind of got pushed back where it was like, well, let's just find some easier stuff we can do and just remember that this is just really fun. We like doing this. It's not like a gauntlet we have to struggle through to maintain where we were. It's okay to have a setback I don't want to lose climbing as a hobby um and turn it into like this challenge I have to overcome I want to just remember that I do this because I really enjoy it and the progress into harder routes uh and more you know more technical tougher objectives like that'll come in time but if we want to continue to do this we have to make it fun again and and learn how to uh, function as a team yeah I think my biggest piece of advice would definitely be to like listen to one another and what the person mm -hmm. needs you know um especially kind of the whole role switch that I that I've gone through has mm -hmm. been like great because I feel like I'm like okay like what do you want to do today John like let's do something fun like or mm -hmm. you know I'll say hey I really think we could do this one route together next mm -hmm. time when it stops snowing in Colorado, maybe we'll go to it. 
Um, <laughs> the like the I guess like I definitely tried to um, understand that the emotions I was feeling, like the jealousy and stuff, you know, it it's okay to feel that way, but you know, I kept trying to put myself in Meg's shoes um, and try to look at it from her perspective. Uh, it's not something she's consciously doing. You know, she's not choosing um, to go climb with other people and feel comfortable with them and not with me. Like she's, you know, probably just as frustrated as I am. Um, so really it was more of just trying to be vocal when I experienced stuff like that and just bring it up. Communication. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Bring it up. Like, listen, this is what, what I feel. I understand that that's not the reality, but like, this is how I'm feeling. So then she was able to, you know, take that into consideration, understand how I'm feeling, and we could both adjust to help the other person deal with whatever, you know, emotions they were struggling with. Um, so that was probably a bigger, uh, a bigger factor in being able to get over it. It's just both being very open and sharing as we went through. Um, and real process. and realizing that it's okay to say something and and it might hurt the other person, but you kind of need to do that to go. There. Absolutely, you know, like yeah. yeah, it hurt me when John said that because I I feel bad, like I feel <laughs> terrible about it. I don't want to make him feel that way, but it was important for me to hear because then we could talk about it and figure out how to either like rectify it or how to work through it together or like how what. What is climbing to us? It doesn't matter what like climbing is to my other trad partners, you know, my other climbing partners. What is climbing to John and I and what do we want it to be and and how do we want to move forward together, you know? Um, and I think it's been it's been really fun. I mean, we had a great time in Thailand. It was actually like for as nervous as we were about kind of going into the unknown, we had neither one of us had climbed in another country before. So um we did really well and and felt really good and led harder routes and it was it was very much like we're back to where we were a year ago before you know there was an accident so yeah and it feels that way for you too Meg yeah mostly I mean I still think that climbing has changed for me personally in many ways um I've like been humbled a bit um I've been way more thoughtful about what can happen but I think in terms of our dynamic, it is a lot better, I would say, even than it was before. Because a lot of times, you know, you get focused in on the pushing aspect of things or on the like, oh, we got to get good for this particular objective. But now it's much more of like, what do you, what do you feel like climbing today? <laughs> like, what should we go do? What should we go try? Um, and it's, it's been a lot less about like tick lists and a lot more about like experiences and, and making those memories. So yeah, make climbing fun again. Yeah, make climbing. <laughs> <laughs> you should make some hats. Yeah, some red hats with white lettering. Yeah, absolutely. I need ten. <laughs> cool. So, um, just one more question from me. What What are some overall lessons that you both have learned from this um, from this accident that you had? together um and separately that you want to share with the listeners um so they can we can hopefully minimize future incidents um so my i think the first couple of lessons that for me that came through personally was i definitely started paying much more attention to um what we could do 
uh, to mitigate the chances of these things happening. And I, mm -hmm. I looked, you know, as deep as I could to try to find similar stories or, um, so I think the, the two, uh, changes in my behavior that I've taken away from climbing is, um, I've, we went out and I've, we found these, um, double gate, um, wire gate carabiners that I put onto our alpine draws so that it's, it's like having a locker, but without the weight of a locker. Um, so we definitely place those on the first couple pieces. And if there's any long run out sections, we'll use those, uh, double gate carabiners. Yeah. Gravel makes them, they're like opposing gates. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty slick. Yeah. Yeah. So I picked those up. And then um, also I've been much more picky about analyzing the ground below the, the climb as far as, you know, where your belay stance is uh, and placing a piece on the ground to protect the belayer. Because um, I definitely, looking at the accident, had I put a piece in the ground for me, um, when that first piece that Meg placed blew, she would have fallen, but she would have fallen a third of the distance and I would have stayed put because right if you had a ground be, anchor yep so putting an anchor on the ground for the Blair is definitely something that uh I look at now whereas before we'd never really looked at it all that much we're like oh this ledge is probably big enough but I've realized that it's probably not and it's better to be over cautious it's not it's not how big the ledge is it's what's on the ledge <laughs> It was really rocky terrain. It was a huge, mm -hmm. rocky area, you know, and you don't think you're going to bounce that far. Um, and then I think besides a technical, like besides like the gear and practices, um, I think the other thing was really just relaxing the desire to knock objectives down. Uh, yeah. And just take a much more relaxed approach towards climbing in general I've, as long as i'm out i'm having fun and we come home and everything's you know everybody and everything is in one piece that i can't ask for more so i'm really a lot happier with just any decent day of climbing um rather than all the the, the list the, if you will. the pressure yeah where that's that pressure of like well we need to we should probably pull off a couple climbs if we want to try to get around to this you know uh more more demanding climb that we're going to be pushing grade on a little bit. Like a lot of that has kind of gone away and it's much more about like, let's just go out and have fun. And I don't care exactly what we climb. Just let's just climb. So cool. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> from the technical aspect, I think John hit the nail on the head. Uh, you definitely bounce a lot farther than you think you would uh, always wear a helmet. We did that, <laughs> but I was reminded on why that is so important. Um, I think from the, the mental aspect for me, uh, allowing, you know, I spent so much of my time as developing in my climbing career of trying to like not be so afraid. And I think understanding that that fear is a natural part of climbing and it, and it's healthy and it's okay if it occasionally just overcomes you, um, you can just, just let it wash over you. Just let it happen you're going to be fine. You know, uh, I think was a really, really big lesson for me <laughs> instead of trying to just fight it. Um, when you're feeling that panic well up in you. Um, and, 
I think from a relationship standpoint, definitely just trying to, you know, think consciously about your partners. Um, I really climb with people who love to have fun, who know me well enough to know when to push me and when not to and vice versa. And just being really supportive and open about how you're feeling on a particular route. Like when I went up and did that Eldo climb, like I didn't want to tell my partner, who's a very good friend of mine, just how afraid I was. Um, Mm -hmm. And I probably should have spoken up and said something she knows now, (laughs) but like, you know, just having that open ability to communicate freely about not just the technical aspects of the climb, but your mental aspect too, like where your head's at and how you're feeling um, emotionally, what's going on. And, you know, if, if your partner's just having a day where it's just rough, be, be, you know, totally open to just bailing. There's definitely been a couple times we've been out and Meg's just saying like, I'm having a terrible head day. I'm not feeling it. And it's like, well, then let's go do something you are feeling. Um, even if it's, I'm bummed that, you know, we're not going to get any climbing in, you know, it's, uh, it's a sacrifice I'll happily make. Um, if, It's supporting her. Thank you to Mammut for being the headlining sponsor for 2020. To enter to win Mammut's Ultimate V Jacket, first follow Mammut NA and the Sharpen Podcast on Instagram. Then tell us which Sharpen episode is your favorite and why. Make sure you comment on the most recent giveaway post. I'll draw the winner on March 15th. Good luck. Desert Mountain Medicine. Innovative wilderness medicine training since 1998. The Desert Mountain Medicine teaching approach favors hands-on, scenario-based practice. Whether you are an avid backcountry traveler or a professional guide, we have you covered. Choose from a variety of courses ranging from wilderness first aid and wilderness first responder to expedition medicine and all women's courses. Learn how to prevent, prepare, and manage backcountry emergencies. For a complete list of courses, visit DesertMountainMedicine.com. Are you ready? And remember, play hard and be smart. <laughs>